This is the Mix Zone by Infront Lab. We chat with sports and innovation leaders from around the globe, talking about everything from the newest technologies to major trends affecting our industry. For those of you who are joining us for the first time, we're Infront Lab, the digital and tech branch of Infront Sports and Media. At the lab, we put fans first and use technology to improve experiences by helping rights owners meet their fans at all touch points along their individual journeys. We work with all sports-related industries, from data to content and everything in between. Amarov Severe, head of B2B marketing at Infront Lab and host of this podcast. Health is important, even more so when the person whose health you're speaking of is worth millions of dollars or euros. We're of course talking about the health of athletes. Every injury can hurt teams financially. When the game's biggest stars are sidelined, it can affect everything from the result of the game to ticket sales and even viewership numbers. Taking care of athletes, ensuring they remain healthy and strong and continue to push the limits of what humans are capable of is key to the overall success of sports teams. But with overloaded schedules and intense training regimes, how do you keep athletes healthy? Zone 7's data-driven artificial intelligence system offers teams a solution to the injury bug. And joining us from Zone 7 is CEO and co-founder Tal Brown. Welcome to the Mix Zone, Tal. Hey, thanks so much for having me over. Oh, it's a pleasure having you on. Uh, you know, I've known you for quite some time now, so I'm excited to be able to have this discussion with you. Yeah, I'm excited as well and uh, fantastic to be uh, partnering with Infront for this, uh, for this podcast. Well, as is the Mix Zone tradition, before we start talking about Zone 7 and what it is that you do, tell us a bit about yourself, your background, what you did before, and how uh, Zone 7 came about. Sure. So um, my background is a little bit unique in this space. I'm not an athlete or a medically sports medicine guy. Um, I spent a career building machine learning and uh, data applications. Um, I did that for various other industries like cybersecurity and enterprise software. Um, and so I was dealing with, you know, how do you use a forecasting model, predictive model, a data science platform to help um, humans mm -hmm. complete complex projects, complex tasks? Um, how do you do that without making them feel um, like the computer is going to uh, replace them? How do you do that while That's creating trust? It's a big uh, issue nowadays when you talk about ChatGPT. Everyone's already nervous that it's going to replace them. Exactly, exactly. And how do you generate advice or help without, you know, marginalizing the expert? Ultimately, I've always dealt with industries and, and problems that um, the expert is irreplaceable. Like, you know, it's like a pilot, right? Like a pilot's not going to... You need a pilot for you know a bunch of different reasons sometimes there's a really difficult decision to make and no mm -hmm. autopilot is going to be able to make it so so i dealt with that for for many many years and then about five years ago left my old job at salesforce where i was you know um one of the product leads on the ai platform and left that to, to do this and so i kind of came into sports as a bit of an outsider um but also with an outsider's perspective on you know how how a data journey can can be structured in a way that would be beneficial, hopefully, to some of the folks involved with um, addressing the player health and performance challenges. So if we're talking about being beneficial, how beneficial is that outsider perspective as someone who didn't deal with sports coming into this world? Uh, I think I think it's, um, it's a combination. Like, 
uh, the, some of the challenges for me were clearly I was <laughs> looking back at my beginning. Uh, I was a bit naive about the industry <laughs> and how it works inside. Probably not not an uncommon thing you hear from people who are uh, operators in sports and you know didn't really began their journeys elsewhere. Um, so probably probably naive. I think we we also took us a while to figure out how to how to talk the right language, right? I think mm-hmm. pe- people people in sports heard predicting injuries and they they thought about this magical crystal ball that can tell you the moment in time in a game and the kind of ligament the day, in the body the that's date and what will happen. <laughs> uh, the, the, the day, the date, the second, the play, and and that's well, it's technically impossible. So we're not even trying to do that. But it took us a while to figure out how to communicate effectively. Um, I think the benefits of, of of the data experience is, you know, when you build a data product, there's a lot of trade-offs that you need mm-hmm. to make. You know, how much data volume is enough to do something? And when you do it, how do you um, know if you're getting it more right than wrong? Um, you know, talk about statistics and false positives and a whole bunch of things. How do you trade off different things in your roadmap, right? Should I focus on wearables first from the game or should I focus on Apple Watches and Oura Rings uh, for well-being? Um, and so there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of decisions to be made and the discipline of, building the, like what you learn from building data products elsewhere can be helpful when you, when you go there. So I think it was beneficial as long as, as long as I could uh, kind of like uh, uh, hop on a fast learning curve for my, <laughs> kind of, for the sports universe. And, and I was very fortunate to have fantastic partners, advisors, investors who helped me do that. One of our first investors was Jordi Cruyff, um, who was mm-hmm. a phenomenal. It's a very well-known name in the sports world. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he was a phenomenal resource to me, and and uh, and uh, and helped me learn and adjust. And uh, you know, people like uh, Roger Mitchell. Uh, we had investors in the company from major ownership groups. We had advisors from the Premier League executive uh, levels. So overall, it was uh, it was I think it was a good balance of uh, um, bringing in the outsiders' benefits and also trying to trying to learn fast and you know um, address some of the gaps I had in my knowledge. So let's talk a bit about this team that you built. I mean, maybe starting from the beginning, a bit about Zone 7 and how many employees you are today, how this growth uh, continued over the last couple of years. Sure. Um, So, you know, we operate in this universe called sports tech, um, but we operate in a very, very unique uh, uh, galaxy in it. And that's it's not we don't deal with fans or monetizing social mm-hmm. media. We don't we don't deal with content or video. We don't deal with building stadiums and having the fastest Wi-Fi on board. Um, we don't deal with equipment. We don't deal with buying, you know, wearables or, or X-ray machines or whatever. We deal with the human process of uh, evaluating players day by day and deciding whether a player can go 100% or needs some kind of modification. How do we help the player recover from the last game and get at their peak for the next game or the next sequence of games in the most effective and safe way? So we deal with that universe. Um, what we do is algorithms. So we're kind of like mm-hmm. an algorithm company. We don't make hardware. We don't make analytics. So all this preamble to say a team that can address this needs to be able to do three things. It needs to be able to uh, build good algorithms. So we needed a very strong data science um, foundation. Um, the team needs to be able to uh, deal effectively with clients in the sports world. 
And it's not, it's, it's partly about sporting directors and executives and owner. And it's also partly about, you know, sports scientists and mm-hmm. coaches and, and doctors. And the third thing you really need is to understand the sport well enough to create advice that may, makes sense, right? Like if you're going to help a football coach uh, or a football coaching staff um, prepare for a sequence of games that includes travel to Champions League game and coming back and like a local cup and another Champions League game all within two weeks, you have to understand that context. So and you have to understand not- that it's completely different than helping a basketball coach and trainers do something similar because of the nature of the game. Correct. I was just speaking to folks from the hockey community and they said, well, we have a very different schedule. And I said, yeah. And I said, yeah, like American football is once a week. Um, soccer is not that fairly frequently. It's twice a week, maybe even three times over seven days. If you look at uh, complex sequences and basketball, hockey, baseball is minimum for like more or less four times a week. And forget um, about that. Hockey players take a beating every game. Right. There's contact involved. There's different, uh, there's different uh, equipment involved. There's different movement patterns involved. Vertical movement in volleyball mm-hmm. and basketball is not really existing in other sports. Contact it's a different type in American of athleticism. Football. Right. So you need to. It's not just about data science. It's about data science connecting into the tissue and the 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 fabric of the actual sport dynamic. And so you need a team that can do that. Um, so how do you go about and, building that team? So you start. You start with your core expertise. So as many founders, as many startups kind of like uh, begin with, you know, you build around the founder team. So we were pretty honest with ourselves. What can we do right? What, where do we need help? Um, we felt that we have a good grasp on the product management side, on the how does AI uh, explode into a human environment. Mm-hmm. Um, my co-founder is a phenomenal sports scientist and data guy, and he, he really had a really good grasp on, 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 uh, on football, soccer. Uh, people like Jordy helped, and then you kind of build around it. So I would say overall, we had to we had to hire a team of phenomenal data scientists and data engineers and software people, people who built um, tools that predict stuff in other industries. So some of the people who worked for us worked in financial operations to forecast uh, financial performance of stocks or forecast whether machines are going to break down or not. Um, and mathematically predicting an event in time in finances there are similarities mathematically to you know trying to forecast injury risk um and then we had to hire people who understand the sport uh, um we are both uh I mean, not people who spend a decade in the premier league or in the nba mm-hmm. or in the nfl so um, we now have a team of what we call the performance team which is folks from the sports operators from the sports who uh who uh, have spent decades in that sport, who understand the language, the nuances that, in, as, the, uh, as, as they call it, the insider's lens. So this team is led by a guy called Richard Buchanan, who is based in London and in the UK, and spent probably a decade and a half in the Premier League as a performance director and medical director. So that's the kind of, that's the kind of skill set that we could build around the team. And then around that, you've got people who are uh, able to sell in this market and to connect with sporting directors. And, uh, and, and, and that's, that's, that's the core team is data operators, sports operators, and of course, strategy business and people who kind of like a little bit more, more startup-y in their, in their experience. 
So you teased a bit about what it is that you do uh, during our discussion so far in the sense of injury prevention, detection. So let's get a little bit more into the technology. What does Zone 7 do? How is it being used by sports teams? Okay, so so basically the, 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 the world today in professional sports, and let me just focus for a moment about in professional sports. The world is that an athlete is tracked during the game. Mm-hmm. And originally, that began to track information that coaches cared about and fans cared about, right? So quintessential examples is American football and yards and passes or basketballs with assists and rebounds. And we have, we've been doing that for many, many years. Mm-hmm. The last probably 10 years have seen us also go granular into how is how are people moving on the field or the pitch or the court? Um, and those movements have a coaching element to them, right? Tactically, should we go left? Should we go right? Should we structure our offenses where that way? Scouting but as well. Scouting, of course. You know, how do we maintain space and all that stuff about football that I'm really not the guy to talk about. But as a, as a, side, as a side effect, we're also measuring the physical aspect of playing. Mm-hmm. Distances covered is a great example, but it's very, very high level. You know, I could be covering 12 kilometers in a soccer game. But how many of those are in a very high speed? And mm-hmm. how, how many sequences of sprints can I do within a five-minute period? And can I do a lot of changes of direction? When you change directions right, right to left or left to right, you're activating different muscles. When you're decelerating, you're activating different muscles than accelerating. So movement can be used to quantify forces on your body and forces your body is producing. So that is happening now in every probably football, basketball, hockey, rugby, every game. sport. And you know, it's you can do that with throwing, and you can do that with running, and you can do that with verticals, and 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 that's happening in the game, and that's flowing into a database that every team has. Now, mm-hmm. on top of that, you've got data from the practice, right? If you're if you're a Premier League team and you're practicing or training three, four, five times a week between your games, the same, more or less, the same data is collected about physical aspects of your training, forces, speeds, velocities, etc. And you're exerting now, yourself almost as much as you would during an actual game. I mean, how many times have we heard of injuries during practices? That's true. That's true. There is a there is an entire uh, discipline in sports science or sports medicine or physiology that talks about how do you manage the cycle from peak on a game, recover fast, and then try and get ready for a peak again, right? Within that week, let's just pick a week as an example. In the NBA, it could be, you know, a, a less than a 24-hour period. Within that week, you might need to do a recovery day or a day of weightlifting or a day of uh, speed training, or you also want to weave in tactical work, tactical mm-hmm. as in, we're going to run this offense or we're going to play this defense against this team we're playing on Saturday. So there's a whole, there's a whole um, a discipline uh, of how to do that which you know we collaborate with um so so the technology so data from the game data from the, the the training or practice in the gym folks are also being tracked in a, in, a, in a positive way right are you lifting a lot are you lifting not a lot are you lifting fast are, you, are your squats symmetrical there's a lot mm-hmm. of tests today that measure your the symmetry in your body and whether you can you know uh, apply the same amount of force on one side of the body and the other side that's also data coming in and finally, it's, it's quite common now where the 20 hours where the athlete is not physically being uh, challenged are also tracked, right? The Apple Watches and the Aura Rings and the Whoops, sleep, stress, HRV levels, et cetera. So all that data is already available today for pretty much every operator in the pro sports. That data 
we, we don't really deal with collecting that data. We're friends mm -hmm. of all the sensor companies. All the wearables. And that data flow yeah, wearables, uh, medical devices that measure strength and flexibility, all that stuff, is, uh, and, and game data, of course. So we, we need those data. We need that data to, be, to exist for us to have a reason to, to exist as well. Um, that data typically flows into some configuration of a database or a system that stores it, allows people to engage with it, look at it, uh, investigate it, uh, chart it. And what we do is we create algorithms on top of that. So we focus entirely on algorithms that do four main things. Number one is try and forecast whether there's elevated risk, um, not predicting an injury, but forecasting whether the next couple of days, if you keep on doing what you typically do, you're at a high risk of an injury, what kind of injury and how severe. The second thing we do is what are potential intervention changes that might be helpful? So you can call it, generally speaking, load management, if you are using kind of more of the North American uh, terminology. So should we go 100% today or should we go 80%, maybe 120% and apply that thinking to every parameter? Maybe you got to do more sprinting, but less details, more squats, but less bench presses. Um, it's a combination of factors. Number three is to plan complex sequences, right? Mm -hmm. We're playing Champions League, big game in two weeks. We've got three cup games or a cup and a league game until then. How do we plan for the specific number of players, or the, the specific players to be ready in 10 days? How do we plan that? How do we trade off travel and workload and games and minutes, whatever? And this can work for any sport. And the fourth thing is we have algorithms that explain why these recommendations are there. People in this industry are not going to respond well to a black box saying red, green, go, no, go. You need to provide rationalization. You need to provide this link, a chain of evidence as to why we think sprints are an issue or decels are an issue. And that's a different set of algorithms. So forecasting, recommendations, rationalization, scheduling, and all done within a single platform. Um, so if we're talking about this platform, and you're obviously you're dealing with medical teams, trainers, that side of the personnel on uh, sports clubs and teams. What is it that they're receiving? They now have the platform. What do they see in front of them? It, obviously, it's not this black box that you mentioned. So what is it that they receive? Because a player can't log on to Zone 7 and really be able to understand what's going on. If, correct me if I'm mistaken. Yeah, the platform is built to provide the the staff with tools <clears throat> to, under, to, to, to see patterns that are otherwise very difficult to find manually. So there's a dashboard, of course. Um, we are not an analytics tool. We are a tool that provides two things. It provides human readable advice on mm -hmm. risk. Does that look like a red, yellow, green on a roster? Yeah, it does. That's, that's, how, you, that's how you universally uh, express risk. But within that, you can go and see what's driving the risk. As in human readable advice, oh, here are the three things that are currently driving risk. And then you can see things like, what would be appropriate potential changes to today's training? We actually provide, I'm going to very gently use the term prescriptive information. Um, mm -hmm. here, here are the uh, ranges of uh, meters and high speed you could consider adjusting to today. Um, same applies to any kind of physical parameter, whether it's symmetry or gym work or running or jumping or whatever. Um, in a game day, it would be some estimation of minutes. And it can also be estimations of drills, right? Yo, instead of doing 15 minutes of this drill, you should do 10 or maybe 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 25. And that is personalized for every player. So you kind of like have this option to very quickly triage and scan options for, all right, we should consider these, 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 and these. Um, and that plugs into the workflow very easily because every, every day there's a workflow where 
a coach, the doctor, the data people, the sports scientists connect and try and um, make decisions on, on triage. Before I move on, the other thing we provide is what we call a diagnostic service. So think about us as a friendly uh, um, data science uh, platform that will come in at any moment in time, you know, even if it's the first time we ever engage with a client, and we can scan back all your data, let's say a year or two of data, and we can help you figure out what's going on. Maybe there are some blind spots in how you collect the data. Maybe there are some changes you weren't aware of to some configuration of some sensor. And we can show you what our take on the injury situation is. Maybe some of the injuries that you were um, experiencing had data patterns in them that we could have detected. And some, some will and some will not. Uh, and, 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 you know, let's break that down by position. Let's break that down by the coaching uh, strategy at the time. Let's break that down by the time in the season. So I'll generally use the term audit. This audit is also very helpful to our clients. And it's usually, you know, one of the first things that we do. Um, hey, let's, let's, let's run your data through our machine and let's see what happens. And we'll give you a full written report um, to try and learn from, you know, what, what happened in the environment uh, the last year or two. And if we're taking a look at real life scenarios, are there any uh, examples that you can share with us of situations where Zone 7 was your your data and what you were able to provide these teams really stepped in and was able to help them take a load off a player, avoid, obviously we don't know if the injury would have really happened, but to change the or have that sort of effect on a team and what may happen next? Yeah, the hardest thing for us, and it's, this is true for any any product that helps um uh, avoid stuff that you don't want to happen if you avoid is, it you don't know if it was going to happen <laughs> exactly exactly and 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 so for me to stand on the stage and say oh this is the reason why injuries were reduced in this environment by 50 percent or 40 percent or 60 percent that would be that that would be a hard statement assumption based and assumption based right and 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 we deal with the audience that is very very sensitive to mm -hmm. to, to, to bs sorry for the american term um and, and you have to stay very, very true to the integrity of the science, right? People talk about, are you, are you, are you implying that there's causality here? You know, that this causes that, mm -hmm. there's cause and effect? The answer is no, right? Like, it's a complex environment. Um, you, you don't know what you don't know. So what we do have is we have a bunch of case studies where we kind of like look at high-level metrics of number of injuries or time loss, uh, call it downtime, call it man games lost over long periods of time before and after introducing a change to the environment. Um, teams do that all the time, right? If they change a coach, they will look at certain parameters before and after that coach was introduced. Um, if they institute a, a, a new protocol to prevent concussions or other kinds of injuries, they will compare. So that's, we, we use the same terminology and the same process. We typically compare some combination of injury rates and rates of accumulation of time loss uh, prior to introducing zone seven and after. And on our case studies section in the website, there's a couple of good examples there of, 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 uh, of changes we've seen. I would say um, in those cases, the clients have associated some of the impact to, to introducing zone seven. Um, is it cause and effect? No. Can we guarantee anything? No, not really. You have to remember there is a human or multiple humans here. Like this is not, you know, some tool that controls the price of airline tickets and, you know, on, 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 on flights.com. This is 
a tool that helps humans make decisions. And those decisions are part of what they do. That's their expertise. So I think we help, but, mm -hmm. you know, um, it's, it's ultimately up to the human to decide how to use what we provide and whether it's relevant at that, at that time for that game, for that scenario, for that player. And I think it does create comfort. It does create comfort that we have a room full of experts and now we also have in that virtual room uh, an algorithm that shares with us what they think is happening. And sometimes our advice correlates with the experts' opinions and sometimes it doesn't. And if it doesn't, it's up to them to decide, oh, this is... There's still a human wrong. judgment. Yeah, the human judgment is there. And sometimes, and this is the most interesting part to me, if we flag a player or if we actually say a player is good to go, 100%, and that does not conform with you know, the doctor or the coach or the physical coach, that's where it's really interesting. And, you know, you're not supposed to run a team using zone seven as some sort of magical advice. You're supposed to integrate this into your expertise. It's kind of like a second opinion, if you will. Mm -hmm. the, the, the difference is this second opinion has been created by analyzing millions of data points across tens of thousands of injuries using cutting edge deep learning networks. Um, so it may sometimes offer a unique perspective that may be missing from the uh, from the room and, and sometimes it doesn't. And who are some of these clients and clubs that you work with that you can share with us? Yeah, I mean some of the public uh, names that we've um, that we've been able to announce some of our clients are, are announcing uh, with us and some of them keep this uh, relatively confidential due to natural reasons. Um, so you know uh, I would say uh, in the UK is a big market for us. We've got teams from Leeds United, uh, Queens Park, Liverpool, uh, Rangers, Hull City, and probably another half a dozen that uh, I can't mention. Uh, we're doing work in Portugal with Famalicao. We're doing work in Italy with Napoli. We've got uh, LAFC and another MLS team in the US. Um, those are some of the football clients we have. We also mm -hmm. have a, a, yeah, go ahead. Yes, say needless to say, some of these names have big names of their own on the team. And as we mentioned in the introduction, every injury can cost a team, a club, thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars or euros in some of these cases. What have you seen in that um, in the impact that it can have financially on teams um, or the positive impact financially when you are able to use zone seven, maybe cut back on the injury days every season? Yeah, so I think I think financially, you, you know, w w one of the challenges of the preventing injury space is that, you know, when you talk about the cost of injuries, and you're right to say, if a player has been out for a season or for six months, and that player earns ten million dollars a year, then the cost of that is five million dollars. Yeah. So I, I would call that not so much a cost, but more like a salary inefficiency, right? Mm -hmm. You're you're paying for something that, and you're getting they're getting nothing from that player because they're they're sidelined. Um, the reality of the reality is that in sports, many times these these costs are kind of it's a cost of doing business, right? We're taking that into account. So we're not generating new revenue, and it's hard to make an argument that we change the bottom line directly around salaries. But what does happen is these these teams care about winning, and when their best mm -hmm. players are able to be at their peak performance for more games per season, then they win more. And, and winning more again, affects everything from ticket sales to merchandise sales to TV media rights. Correct, correct. And so there's a linkage between you know your win loss ratio and your revenue, and you need to adjust that to the market you're in and to the city you're in, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Premier League is a unique example because you actually some of them some of the 
some of the some of the revenues you get from the league or from broadcasting depends on where you finish. So if you win more, mm-hmm. you finish higher, you get more money. And we have some, you know, my co-founder wrote some academic papers around that. Um, I think more or less estimation, you know, there's an X3 factor on the salary cost that impacts your revenue, more or less. This is a Premier League number. So, you know, if, if you count the number of days that, a play, that your players were not playing or not training due to injury, and you count their salaries, multiply that by three, more or less, that's, that's kind of like an estimation of where you are. But again, it's even those numbers are, I would say underrepresenting the impact mm-hmm. for a team to, to not be able to win because of uh, because of an injury. Um, the key thing for me is, you know, teams spend so much money on selecting players, right? They buy a lot of data from companies that like Y Scout and StatsBomb, and they they hire data scientists to run scouting algorithms and to pick players, and they pay transfer fees, um, especially mm-hmm. in, in in European football. And so there's a lot of money spent on picking the right players. And that, there, there's, a, there's a large gap between the attention and budgets that that part gets with the attention and budget that keeping the players, you know, as healthy as possible every, every, every moment in time. Um, and I'm speaking from the perspective of, yeah, sometimes it's hard to get budget for this. And sometimes it takes a while for folks to say, all right, well, you know, this, this thing is, um, this thing is uh, something, something we want to invest in. Now, that's also partly because we are new, right? Almost every client mm-hmm. we had didn't, ha- didn't have an AI budget before we came along for, for this kind of thing. Many uh, still don't. Not yeah, even many for this type don't. of thing, for AI in general. Yeah. Right, right. Many, yeah. So, so I would say if you kind of think about, you know, Moneyball Revolution and all that, um, everybody's now running uh, a data-driven process to, for scouting. And, so, and many also do that for opposition analysis when they get ready for games. Uh, I'm working on getting that same trend into the performance and injury space. So we talked a lot about the injury side and like you just mentioned, money ball and performance. Let's talk a little bit about this performance side because it's not only about preventing possible injuries, but it's also about helping athletes and players become the best versions of them possible. Yes, 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 yes. Um, it's very tricky to cut. So in some sports, let's say, let's say um, a marathon runner or a triathlete, the best version of yourself is the fastest version of yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, a, it's a relatively simple, as long as you're not injured, of course. It's a relatively straightforward model. Individual sports are kind of like that, right? In tennis, in, in running, any, any kind of Olympic athletics, gymnastics sport, right? You, you, you need to get that perfect score or the fastest score or the heaviest mm-hmm. lift or the, fa- or, or the furthest throw on the javelin, whatever it is. Um, team sports is a bit different. You know, is, you know I'm, a, I'm a basketball fan, so is the best version of yourself um, helping a team win? No matter what it means to your stats or is the best version of yourself, you know, uh, averaging a triple-double? Um, there is no objective answer here, right? It's, it's, it's a matter of, uh, it's a matter of personal choice of aesthetics, right? You might be Mm -hmm. a Draymond Green fan, or you might be a Russell Westbrook fan. That's, it's both of them are fine, but within the cycle of sports, there are physical parameters that you can assess and work towards that, um, are desirable. Sometimes it's about, um, endurance. Sometimes it's about speed. Sometimes it's about power. Sometimes it's about, you know, what's my performance. Yeah, what's, how, what's my athleticism uh, three quarters into the season or even mm-hmm. in the fourth quarter or the last minutes of the game? So those are parameters that we can help process. Um, and so we're not a magical wand to say, oh, do this, this, and this, and you'll, you'll, you'll hit your physical parameters. But you can certainly use us to, to navigate a path towards that. Um, it's also important to say every team, every coach, every player will have a different definition of what they want to achieve in that perspective. Again, team sports, not individual sports. Um, 
So the data set that we have, we've analyzed data from, you know, probably over 50 football teams, every game, every practice, every injury, every gym test that they've done. That data set stored in an anonymous aggregate safe way with the permission of our clients allows us to look for patterns that cover these things as well. And now, like you mentioned, this is still just the beginning. It's, uh, you know, AI is in its infancy and then AI for injury prevention and in performance is, is still in its infancy. How do you believe that the type of data and information that you're, um, you're using, that you're collecting and using in order to help these clubs, how could it change the sports industry? How can it affect it? I think we're in this change, right? Like mm-hmm. a guy like me can say, oh, well, you know, people still sometimes don't want to have a budget for AI. But the reality is, Everybody's already into the revolution because everybody's collecting data. You can't, you know, cliche, you can't, you can't manage what you don't measure. Everybody's measuring, right? Now, every industry has gone through this. Every industry ever that was digitized, whether it's finance or healthcare or enterprise software, you know, you start measuring, it's the first step. A couple of years go by, you start aggregating in a database, data warehouse, whatever. A couple of years go by, maybe a decade, and then you start applying complex algorithms and data science and machine learning and all that. And the industry is already there. I mean, it's, it's going through this revolution. Uh, and, and in sports, because of what it is, it's a little bit, of, it's a little bit fragmented, right? Mm-hmm. The business side of sports, building, building stadiums and engaging with fans, 100% is already there. The scouting side of the human, the scouting side of the sport is already there. And, and we're kind of like, I'd like to think of us as helping to trailblaze that process. I don't ever, ever see in my vision a supercomputer by Zone 7 or anybody else <laughs> running, running, running practice, right? Bleep, take the guy off, bleep, put him back in. That's never going to happen. These people are experts. They can do things that no machine can do, right? Doctors mm-hmm. of physiology operating in premiership or Champions League or NBA or NFL teams. They can integrate the human aspect, the coaching aspect, the tactical aspect, and the physical aspect. So the pilot is forever going to be a key part of this. What I aspire to do is to create the best radar on their dashboard so that they don't have any blind spots. Um, and doing that with a lot of data and machine learning is, is kind of like what I, you know, it's kind of like what, what, what I do. So that's kind of the way I see it. Uh, I want to empower the experts. I never, ever think that Somebody can just buy zone seven and say, oh, I don't need a coach or I don't need a physical coach. That's never going to happen. There will always be that human element alongside the AI. Right. And, and listen, I'm also happy to never be like, I'm really happy when clients say, we want to stay quiet. We don't want to announce. I, I, we don't care. I mean, we care a little bit, but it's, it's announcing a client is not what, why we do what we do. We want the best people in the industry to be more successful um, and, and, and help plug in some of the maybe cracks in the, the data process. That's, that's what we aspire to do. Well, Tal, this uh, episode flew by and I'm conscious of the time because I know I have to let you go. It was a pleasure having you on the Mix Zone. We really appreciate you taking the time to be with us. Okay, my pleasure. Thank you so much, Mara, for the opportunity to speak to the community and I, uh, I wish you all uh, a successful, uh, a successful uh, spring. That wraps up this episode of The Mix Zone by Infront Lab. I'm Marav Sevier. You can find me and the lab on LinkedIn. Don't hesitate to reach out and chat with our team about sports tech solutions or just last night's game. Enjoyed the episode? Let us know your thoughts on the podcast. And don't forget to read us. We'll see you next time.